Having received the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. When they were all silent, he said to them in Aramaic, Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. Under Gamaliel, I was thoroughly trained in the law of our fathers and was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison as also the high priest and all the council can testify. I even obtained letters from them to their brothers in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. <laughs> and at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up! <laughs> be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking. Quick, he said to me, leave Jerusalem immediately because they will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these men know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. 
And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, Rid the earth of him! He's not fit to live! As they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the commander ordered Paul to be taken into the barracks. He directed that he be flogged and questioned in order to find out why the people were shouting at him like this. And as they bound him with leather straps preparing to beat him, he said, is it lawful for you to beat a Roman citizen who's not yet had a trial? And of course that saved his skin. Welcome to Acts, our verse-by-verse journey through the fifth book of the New Testament, which covers the history of the church in the first century. Christ came to bring good news to the world, that he was a fulfilling of messianic prophecies given to the Jewish nation, and through him the world might have a chance for a relationship with God. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Can I get an amen? And so in Acts, he ascends back to the Father and he fills his followers with the Holy Spirit, and the church begins, continuing the mission that he began. Today, in our context, Paul has been converted. He, too, was once an enemy of the church and did this kind of thing to people that were being done to him and went to uh, the temple because he, as a Jew, was still a Torah keeper. And in practicing the Torah, he was seen by enemies who were there, worshiping who were from Ephesus who hated his guts. And they stirred up the crowd, told some lies on him, and he was getting beat up. They hauled him out of the temple first. You know, we don't want to defile the temple, but we'll defile ourselves outside the temple. And as they're beating him, the Romans rescue him, and it's so bad they have to carry him. He's crowd surfing on the shoulders of Romans to get away to safety. And the Romans are carrying him up some steps to go into their barracks, And this is where we begin, the last verse of chapter 21, verse 40. He asks for permission to speak to the crowd before he's rushed into safety. And uh, it says, so when he had given him permission, the Roman officer gave him permission, Paul stood on the stairs and motioned with his hand to the people. And when there was a great silence, he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, saying, brethren and fathers... Hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that he had spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. Then he said, and he begins to give his testimony of what he was and what he became and what his calling is. I am indeed a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, who's a very well-known rabbi, honored by Jews to this day, who himself was a student of the great rabbi named Hillel. So as fi- probably around five, he moved to Jerusalem. So this was his hometown. He was a homeboy right here in Jerusalem. He was taught according to the strictness of our father's law and was zealous toward God as you all are today. I persecuted this way, verse 4, to the death binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest bears me witness. 
and all the council of the elders, from whom I also received letters to the brethren and went to Damascus. Well, we've seen that name in the news, haven't we? Went to Damascus to bring in chains, even those who were there, to Jerusalem to be punished, which was most unusual. The priest authorized him to do this. He leaves his country of Judea, Israel, and goes into Syria to arrest Jews there and to bring them back 130 miles as a crow flies. It's much longer than that by walking. To bring them back to be punished for their faith in Jesus as the Messiah. Now it happened, verse 6, as I journeyed and came near Damascus, at about noon suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, now that was his Hebrew name, Shaul, Shaul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. He was persecuting the followers of Jesus. Jesus takes it personal when we get beat up. Isn't that encouraging? And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, arise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. And since I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came into Damascus. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law, another Jewish believer who also was a Torah keeper, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. Be healed. And at that same hour, I looked up at him. In his testimony, as it happens in Acts 8, scales fall off of his eyes. Then he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you. You reckon he was chosen? <laughs> he wasn't looking for the Lord. He was, thought he was serving God, but God chose to make a difference in his life. The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance and saw him. So he sees Jesus just like Ananias told him and he heard Jesus. Saw him saying to me, make haste, get out of Jerusalem quickly for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. So I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprison and beat those who believe on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by, consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Lord, they know something has big has happened in my life. But the Lord responds in verse 21, Then he said to me, Depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. In Paul's case, even though he was gloriously saved and his life was transformed, his fellow friends would now view him as a traitor. 
and they would not receive his testimony. So he was to leave town to safety. Here he comes back years later, and look what happens. And they listened to him until this word, probably until he said the word Gentiles. God's going to send him to the Gentiles. Either they were racist. There's nothing worse than religion mixed with racism. It's terrible. It's one of the most wicked things in the earth. Has no place in Christianity. Or they were convicted of their sins because as the children of Israel, they were called to be a light to the nations, a blessing to the Gentiles, and they were anything but that. They were a thorn in the side of Rome. So they're convicted because here's one of their own who's had a conversion who's declaring that Jesus is sending him to the Gentiles. Jesus already came to him, came to them, was crucified, arose from the dead, and now he's sending him out to the Gentiles. They weren't going to put up with it. And they raised their voices and said, here they're yelling, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he is not fit to live. They wanted him to be killed. Then as they cried out and tore off their clothes and threw dust in the air, it's not like they stripped naked, but it's expression of grief and anger. They, you ever see two guys want to fight and they take their shirts off? Just an expression of anger. They're just throwing the dirt in the air because they probably there wasn't any rocks to throw at them. The commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks and said that he should be examined under scourging so that he no, might know why they shouted so against him. Why? He didn't know what he said. He was speaking in Hebrew. Roman guy spoke Greek. So we're going to torture you to find out you will confess. And as they bound him with thongs, he said, is it right for you to beat a Roman citizen who's not been convicted? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us to hear your word today in such a way that applies to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you today on the subject, how to handle being disrespected. Now, how does that relate to this? Paul was being disrespected, to say the least, you reckon? Duh. But in our own setting, we're not experiencing persecution like this extreme, fearing for our lives, right? That day may be closer than we think, but it's certainly very close in other parts of the world. But, We, God forbid, that we get disrespected and we just go all to pieces. Ready to hurt somebody, ready to make some phone calls. You feel slighted. You're going to let other people know. Everybody but the person that you're mad at. You know what that is? That's being a chicken. Get a backbone and go and confront the disrespect that you've been facing. It may not be real at all. Maybe it's imagined. Maybe an oversight. Jesus carried the cross to Calvary, but before he got there, Simon of Cyrene was given it. And there were people crying and weeping to him. And the last statement he made to them, this is his last statement in Luke 2331, before he's nailed to the cross. He he tells them that hard times are coming to the city. I mean, it's going to be bad, predicting basically the destruction of Jerusalem. He said, if they do these things when the wood is green, what will they do 
when it's dry. If we fall all to pieces and lose our Christianity when somebody disrespects us, what will we do when we're really threatened? Jeremiah 12.5 says, If footmen wear you out, how will you contend with horses? What will you do when real disrespect happens? So it's my goal today that we'll be strengthened. You ever feel like you get no respect? Well, that's the story of my life. No respect. Tell her no respect. No respect at all. You kidding me? I was drowning. I was yelling, help, help. And the lifeguard ran over. So I'm like, buddy, keep it down. Keep it down. I don't get no respect from anybody. The other night, I saw a peeping Tom trying to close my curtains. I don't get any respect. How to handle being disrespected. Be respectful toward those in authority. Be respectful toward those in authority. You know, there are people in America getting killed over the issue of respect. You disrespected me, so I'm going to kill you. The policeman disrespected me, so I'm going to kill him. And he showed up just to separate you and your wife. See what I mean? It's huge. And we need to get a backbone and become confident in who we are in Christ. That's why Paul was reminding himself of of his testimony. When he had given him permission, he's respecting the guard. Obviously, the guards had rescued him. But rather than just taking off and yelling at his accusers and the people that beat him, oh, yeah, you're big in a big group. Just let me catch you in the alley. No, he didn't do that. He got permission from the officer. And then he stood on the stairs and waved his hand to the people. And he wasn't shooting the bird or, you know, God's going to get you with lightning, you know. Just wait till hell's not too hot for you and eternity's not too long. No, he just, he was respectful. Wave with his hand. Respecting those in authority. He spoke in a language his opposers understood. When there was a great silence, he spoke to them in the Hebrew language. A language they understood understood. Um, If you're in another country, you've got to be real careful in dealing with authorities, talking to people in a language they don't understand because they'll think you're disrespecting them. Um, I heard a story of a guy that had a member of a certain cult knock on his door to witness to him a false gospel. And he was bragging on how he shut them down and ran them out of his neighborhood by chasing them down the road while he's speaking in tongues. Totally disrespecting the person who's trying to serve God as they understand it. And certainly disrespecting the Holy Spirit as though he would give utterance to something like that. Be respectful toward those who disrespect you. This is what's hard. You diss me, I'll diss you, you know. You kill my dog, I'll run over your cat. Sure about the guy who ran over his neighbor's cat. I thought, oh man, this isn't going to be good. So he quickly ran over to his neighbor's with a dead cat and put it behind his neighbor's uh, truck wheels. And he's watching out the window to see what happens. And the neighbor backs out and suddenly stops his truck and 
raises his hands like, oh, no, and he picks up the dead cat and puts it behind his wife's car's wheels. <laughs> he said to them in the Hebrew language, brethren and fathers. This is his opening statement to the people that just beat the crap out of him. Hear my defense before you now. Not you sorry, no good rednecks. Just wait till, you know, Jesus comes back. When they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, he kept, they kept all the more silent. He's being respectful, calling them brothers and fathers, honoring them. This is Christianity 101. This is maturity. This is what it looks like. This is how to fight your battles. Speak honestly about your own sinful history. When I feel the most disrespected, one of the first things I do, and I learned this the hard way, is I learn quickly, find a place to pray and ask the Lord to show me if I've ever done this to anyone. And he is faithful. Not every time, but a lot of the time he shows me where I've done the same thing. An oversight sometimes, or sometimes something just outright belligerent and disrespectful. And when I receive forgiveness, it gives me the grace to extend mercy to others. So Paul is encouraging himself with his testimony At the same time, he's identifying with the people that did wrong. He's not condemning them by saying, hey, I did the same thing. I persecuted this way. That's the followers of Jesus, the way. He declared himself to be the way. To the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest bears me witness. The authorities were there, religious leaders. You guys know. And all the council of the elders. You know what I'm saying is the truth from whom I also received letters to the brethren and went to Damascus to bring in chains, those, even those who were there, to Jerusalem to be punished. Going to get them outside of Syrian jurisdiction, bring them here. <laughs> Hijack them, kidnap them, and bring them here. Extradite them to Jerusalem. I was one of you guys. I did this kind of thing you just did to me. Being honest. You know, In remembering what we've done, it helps us extend mercy to people that are doing what we used to do. Be bold to share your personal testimony. He shares his testimony. It happened as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon. Suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. When you're attacked, when you're disrespected, you've got to know who you are if you're going to handle it correctly. You've got to remember what God has done for you. More than once, I've looked in the mirror, even driving down the road, upset about some issue, and reminded myself, listen, God's blessing is on your life. The story's not over. You don't need to blow it. You need to suck it up and speak to somebody if you need to, but stop being such a wimp because God has been so merciful to you. Can't you extend the same to others? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Speak out what the Lord has spoken to people that will hear it, but also to yourself. Obviously, you don't want to cast your pearls before swine, but here Paul is declaring the truth to them. The word of God, the sword of the Spirit, his shield of faith is an operation. He's under attack. In verse 7, he starts repeating what the Lord said. The words of the Lord, they're highlighted in red. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I am Jesus of Nazareth whom you are persecuting. Arise, go into Damascus, and there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. Make haste, get out of Jerusalem quickly, 
for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. Depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. Years ago, long time ago, don't even start guessing. You'll never know who it was. We were in a completely other location. I was getting greatly disrespected as a pastor by a small delegation of people in the congregation, people that I loved. And they were saying things to me like, you need to repent. And I'd say, why? They'd say, I know why, and you know why, so I'm not telling you why. Well, um, that rattled me. Because you know, none of us are perfect. So go to prayer, search my heart, just be bewildered. And, and I bought a book by John Bevere called Breaking Intimidation. I was being intimidated by this assault. And what I found out was um, God wasn't being silent. It seemed like God was silent. It seemed like his silence was confirmation. No, God had already spoken to me, and the words that he spoke I needed to hold on to. It's kind of like as a baby, you get picked up by your parents, you know what I mean? And you get knocked down, they pick you up, but eventually when you fall down, get tripped up or whatever, you've got to start picking yourself up and remember what your parents taught you. So in my case, all it took after reading that book was to go in the bathroom. I was at a, wasn't even at home. I was at a prayer center and looked in the mirror and began to say things God had said to me. This was a bunch of crap. The Lord has said this. The Lord has done this. You never did this. Yada, yada, yada. And the cloud lifted and suddenly I could hear God again. It's like the Lord speaks in a certain frequency to us through impressions through the scriptures. But when you get out of tune with that, you just got to tune back into that frequency. It's like when you're a baby, the Lord will speak to you down here. But now that you grow, Lord speaks to you up here where your ears are. And I'd gotten knocked down and wondered, God, why aren't you speaking to me? He was up here. So Paul been knocked down, but he's reminding himself his sword of the spirit is in operation of what God had spoken to him. So maybe you've been greatly disrespected. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe your expectations haven't been met. Don't stoop to the level of retaliation and so in discord. Speak on the level of what God has spoken to you. Jesus, even if it's, yes, Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. I am weak, but he is Strong. Remind yourself of what he has said and speak it out. Be bold when facing threats of physical harm. Maybe the disrespect is really real. It's real. You're not imagining it. And it, with it comes threats. They're going to hurt you. They're going to sue you. They're going to this. They're going to that. Going to complicate your life. Going to mess you up. What do you do? Do you cower? Do you... There is a time to be silent, but there's a time to speak. But by all means, do not retreat in fear. Be bold. They listened to him until this word. Jesus was going to send him to Gentiles. And they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he is not fit to live. Paul said it, knowing it would probably cause him some heartache. He said it anyway. He was bold. We're called 
to serve him in this culture in the 21st century. We can't retreat back to when it was the good old days. We're called to live now. And as it gets more dangerous, we can't back down. We've got to stand up, have a backbone. This is Arnaud Beltrame, a hero who gave his life for others on February, March 23rd of this year. A policeman, a lieutenant colonel in France's National Police. On that Friday morning, he was 44 and recently married. He wasn't relying on his training and time in combat, but he had made a commitment to Christ in the Catholic Church at the age of 33, 11 years earlier. He was known by his family and friends and associates as a man of faith. Minnie Bells writes that um, his priest said he lived a genuine conversion and he regularly served the church with his wife, Mario. That day, from a ring of special police, Beltrame May went into the building where a 26-year-old ISIS allegiant person had killed two people. He previously had wounded a driver and killed a passenger in a carjacking. As gunfire rang out from the store, some shoppers escaped, some locked themselves in the meat locker. And as the terrorist took hostage a 40-year-old mother with a two-year-old, not with her, but she was work at work, named Julie. She was a cashier. Arnaud Beltrame approached the terrorist who held Julie and offered himself as a substitute to take her place. So the guy did the trade. He wound up dying by having his throat cut. The terrorist eventually was killed by the police, but the cashier Julie, mother of a two-year-old, was saved by him giving his life. Beltrame died of his wounds. He did not hide his faith, said police chaplain Dominique Aris. We can say that his act of offering is consistent with what he believed. He went to the end of his service in the country of the country and to the end of his testimony of faith. His priest, Father Jean Baptiste, attended him as he died and told uh, a uh, journalist, it seems to me that only his faith can explain the madness of this sacrifice, which is today the admiration of all. He knew, as Jesus told us, there is no greater love than to give one's life for his friends. So, when disrespected, we can do as the little girls are singing across the nation. Let it go. Let it go. Every word that's spoken ill doesn't have to be fighting words. Speak up for yourself when appropriate. There's a time to call 911. There's a time to get a lawyer. There's a time to speak up. As Paul did when they bound him with thongs, he said, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who's a Roman and uncondemned? He played that card at just the right time. Isn't that awesome? This is the most important thought of the day. If you write anything down, write this down. When you get no respect, be very much aware of who is more worthy of respect.
This is Leah Sherabu. Put her on your prayer list. She's 15 years old. In February, her and her friends, 111 girls, were captured, kidnapped by the terrorist organization Boko Haram in Nigeria. In late March, they released them all except her. They're loading on the truck to haul them to safety. And they would not let her go because she would not recant her faith in Jesus. She would not convert to Islam. Oh, we pray that you just strengthen her, protect her, Lord. Do a miracle on her behalf that would be a testimony to the world in Jesus' name. She's very much aware who's more worthy of more respect and unwilling to disrespect her Lord and Savior, Jesus. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 1, this same Paul that's in this story today, he said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. You can take this to the bank, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, I obtain mercy, that in me, first, Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering to me as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul knew who was most worthy of respect. We used to sing this song years ago. Unto the King eternal, unto the King immortal, Unto the King invisible, the only wise God, the only wise God. Unto the King be honor and glory, unto the King forever. Unto the King be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Does anybody remember that? Surely I'm not the oldest person in the room. Never forget who's most worthy of respect. When you're disrespected, don't disrespect him by forgetting that. Let's pray as the praise team comes forward. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we thank you for the lesson of honoring you at all times. Lord, it's how we overcome. It's how we fight our battles. It's how we keep our cool. It's how we reflect you, remembering who you are, who you've called us to be. Lord, as we continue worshiping you this morning, may you drive home the truth that we've heard today. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.